everyone will watch that one movie and probably everyone will have a different way of how it, what it meant to them. Oh, how rich is that? That's so beautiful. Some words from my guest today over the luscious soundtrack from an animated short called The Lost Thing. My guest Annie Whitlock is a funeral celebrant, spiritual care worker at an oncology hospital and sometimes uses the title a death doula. We'll talk about what that means. So in terms of education, she's usually well outside the school system, but like a teacher, she's very much someone who shares her knowledge and experience as she journeys emotionally alongside people through a particular stage of life. We had plenty to talk about this episode, so there'll be a bonus where I gather all the juicy bits about her spirituality from our main focus here today on short films. I'm hoping you're going to enjoy both. The best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. So it's an old Greek word, doula, and actually that was uh, it was one of the statues I also designed for for my business, and it was a doula helping a a woman, uh, supporting her as she gave birth, and uh, so because birth and death is uh, different sides of the of the same coin, the beginning and the end, and a death doula also. The idea is to, I can't really sort of say to, to assist, but to to be there, to bear witness to that person and also the family and friends at, uh, at the last breath. And working up to the last breath, it could be many months before that person will die or it could be days, you don't know. So how do you, how do people meet you and get you involved in that how does that sort of whole transaction happen that's really interesting it's it's probably like i started my business it started off through word of mouth i'll get uh, phone calls from people that i i never gave them my number and uh, other people have given them my number and they'll say oh ring annie she can help you and so i may have someone uh, had one phone call from a lady her sister was dying and she didn't know what to say to her and she wasn't uh, actually dying at that time she had uh, brain cancer and but it wasn't going to be long before she would she would be dead and so and i spoke to her i spoke to her for probably about an hour just showing support to her and just giving some questions for her, you know, what were the things that your sister was interested in and her sister was very interested in angels. I said, great, there's so much material on angels. Um, Ten days ago, uh, a gentleman uh, had uh, uh, died at at an acute hospital, a cancer hospital. Um, I met him... Uh, a few weeks ago in another acute hospital as the spiritual care worker. And then I was asked by his family to be the death doula. So I washed his body. I I prepared his body beforehand. There were some things just to make it a bit um, easier for when the family came. And then I took them through the washing of the body, which was a very powerful and a beautiful experience. 
and it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, we, particularly in the kind of traditions and rituals that I grew up in, it's sort of people get old and then the next thing is there's a funeral. This is almost like all the steps before that that people need to assistance with. So a lot of steps before that, and in particular, I have to uh, pull you up on one of the things that you said. Yeah. And you said when we get old, yes. because a lot of people will die and they don't get to be old. So we have this assumption in our society, in our culture, that uh, death is only for the elderly. And no, death can come to any one of us at any time. Um, and yes, we, the person dies, for example, if they die in a hospital, uh, probably uh, 70% of people will end up dying in a hospital. 70% of people say they want to die at home, but that's not reality. And when they die, the family are around them, and then the family leave because they're they're not too sure what to do. They, and the hospital probably needs the bed. There's so many variables. And then the next time they see that person or may not see that person is at the funeral. And as a death doula, it's encouraging people to know that legally people are allowed to have the body at home. So if someone dies in hospital, hospice, palliative care, nursing home, they're allowed legally by Victorian law to have the body at home for a few days, as many days as they want. Then a death doula will come along and if they want the services of a death doula and highlight how to keep the body in a, um, in a cool state so that it doesn't decompose quickly so that they can wash the body, they can be with the body, they can create their own rituals and ceremonies and they can speak to that person. And, and I was keen to speak to you, um, not only because you're my friend and I know you, but because I consider what you do to be also an educative process. So, you know, I, call, you know, I think of you as someone that helps others learn about this, this important topic of dying, which is, which is why I've asked you to choose three, three films that you like. So we'll get on to them shortly. But can you describe for me um, that, that role of yours that is educational? Would you call yourself a teacher? You know, I, I have difficulty calling myself a teacher. I'm happy to say that I'm sharing my, my knowledge, my experience, my information with, with anyone, anyone. I'll point my finger and I'll suggest there's this or there's that. But as far as a teacher, I'm not comfortable calling myself a teacher. Um, I, I was just going to say I teach. <laughs> I take people through mindfulness meditation at the um, at one particular oncology hospital, and so I can have between one, maybe one person, or I can have several, and that can be the patient, the staff, the family, and friends, and they are there for a short window, of, 
maybe 35, maybe 40 minutes, it just depends. Um, uh, the patients will be having chemotherapy, the machines are going off, the nurses are coming in, um, turning switches on, just checking the patient, um, giving them uh, a food or fluid or whatever they need. Uh, papers will be rustling and I am teaching them relaxation, mindfulness. So that's, and I'm saying I'm teaching. <laughs> but really what I'm doing is all I'm doing is I'm just sharing my own experience with, with them because if I didn't know what I was doing, it wouldn't come across as genuine or authentic. I've had uh, like three people here uh, teaching them spiritual care for the hospital. Um, I assisted in uh, teaching spiritual care at the Buddhist Society of uh, Victoria with uh, a, a wonderful uh, teacher, Sunim, and uh, she was a she's a she is a Korean nun, Australian, and she. Uh, designed this wonderful spiritual care program to teach and I assisted her in that. Um, I continue with, I help people with professional development, mentoring. Yeah. I'd call that teaching. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you've mentioned mindfulness, so let, let's, let's talk about then one of the films that you've chosen. This is called How Mindfulness Empowers Us. On screen we see a simple colourful 2D animation which illustrates the spoken story as it's told. There is a story, usually attributed to the Native American tradition, which illuminates different ways of paying attention. An elder, talking to a child, says, I have two wolves fighting in my heart. One wolf is fearful, vengeful, envious, resentful, and deceitful. The other wolf is compassionate, loving, generous, truthful and peaceful. And the grandson said, which wolf wins? And the grandfather said, the one that you feed. And for me, that was so perfect because it's true. We can call it mindfulness, meditation. I, uh, I say to the uh, people, you can call it anything you like. One lady said to me, uh, she was uh, she was quite a uh, a religious person, and she said that she had difficulty with the word meditation because she associated it with uh, I think Buddhism. She didn't actually say that, but I, I I'm assuming. And I said, well, it doesn't really matter what word you use as long as it means something to you. And I said, you know, think of something that uh, that you like that makes you feel happy. And she said, actually, I love strawberry jam. I said, call it strawberry jam. And sometimes I, I use that myself. And I think, strawberry jam, that's nice, you know, or mango. <laughs> so, so mindfulness or meditation is about being present with what's happening now. So I let people know it's not about avoiding things. It's not about reaching a, a, a state of mind where there's nothing going on. The thoughts will always be there because it's the nature of the mind to think. 
yeah definitely and on uh, a couple of things you, you said they're really interesting you know that that sort of hesitation that some of us have and i include myself you know as a christian that sort of this is kind of it feels more like buddhism to talk about mindfulness and med- meditation and i kind of oh you know how far should i be going down this direction but i you know my sister's recently started surfing and i've had you know spent a day with her two down and surf and it's just the entire experience is so overwhelming for your body that you're feeling it your whole mind you're just absorbed in the entire experience of being in the surf and the elements and everything else so i, I kind of get it and when i'm editing or when i'm filming and you know i'm there you're you know there. so so i understand it completely the other thing i was going to say though is in terms of that that film so just in terms of your usage of it is that something that you just think of because you've seen it and you can use the illustration of it yeah. or is it something that you would actually show people and go have a look at this and you watch it together for the people whose english was not their first language i would not show it to them (laughs) but for other people especially with professional development yes i think it's perfect because it highlights that if some of the things that i actually just said so it's not about having nothing going on in your mind we are always going to be thinking. And the more that we relax with the thoughts that are coming in without judging them, without uh, uh, labelling them, oh, that's a good thought, that, oh, no, that, oh, no that, oh, that's an enticing one, I think I'll travel with that one. All of that is fine because it's normal. And we're in a world where distraction is constantly put before us. And, you know, we see the commercials, we see the advertisements as we're driving along the road. Everything is trying to get our attention, get our attention. And to actually just be with our breath, as you say, when your sister is surfing. She is with that moment. She has to be. Annie read out a short death meditation she uses with people. Something you can hear on the bonus conversation for this week. We then talked more about the idea of preparing for death. We prepare for so many things in our life. Mm. We, um, our driver's license, mm. we go to uni, we go to school, we uh, prepare for our first job. We, if we're fortunate enough and we win Tats Lotto, we get our first home. We have a family, we have children. We, we prepare for so many things. We want to go shopping, we get a list out. But we don't prepare for our death. And we don't prepare our loved ones also of this is what I would like or this is what I would not like. For example, for me, I don't want a lot of noise. When I'm actually dying or, the, you know, if they can say you've got a couple of days, I would like peace and quiet and I would like to be near a window. Ideally, I would like to see the sky. And I would like to have certain uh, Buddhist uh, ceremonies said for me. So, yeah. So you picked up on another theme, which it keeps coming through, <laughs> and, and that's this idea of spirituality. And, um, you know, you mentioned your, your Buddhist um, faith there. Tell me, let, let's sort of move on to this next film, which is... Um, 
Zadik, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah, and it's really interesting because it's called a spiritual short. And so I'm fascinated by this because, as I say, no matter what way you come at it, I think we all we all have a, a belief system, whether you're an atheist who has no belief in God at all or, you know, agnostic right through Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever. Everyone, I think, could watch that little spiritual short and relate something of their own faith in that. This is a beautiful, hand-drawn, yet very dimensional animation set in an imaginary flowing sea of darkness. The story centres around a young man and his relationship with sadness, depicted by a large dark shape who sometimes comforts and sometimes confronts him. In this scene, the dark shape is ferociously warding him off, away from a tree that's been touched by a force of light. The battle is tough. I find that mindfulness and end of life are quite similar because we have these different thoughts, we have no idea of the thoughts that are going to come in and the challenging thoughts like the big monster in the boat, Zadik, to understand that, okay, it's there. It doesn't mean that I have to uh, approve or agree or go with it, but it's there. And then bit by bit, it will diminish in time with the help perhaps of some conscious breathing or some other skills that I can develop to deal with that. And then at end of life, I will be usually confronted with many different thoughts we don't get a uh, an opportunity to practice dying. Uh, dress rehearsal. Yeah. We don't get a dress rehearsal. <laughs> so we need to be prepared that when I'm dying, my my body will change. The things that were important to me before, like fashion or um, you know the weather or what I'm going to do or what I'm going to read, all of that is of no significance because when I know, when the body knows that it's going to die and the mind accepts it or understands that it is going to die, different things become important. Family and friendship, connections, relationships, they're the important things. And for me, I would try and leave some form of a legacy that I would ask forgiveness for whatever I may have done if I've ever hurt anyone. And I will also forgive you for whatever I don't know, that thank you for, for everything and that I love you. For simple things, it's very well known, those things now. And so, yeah, I think that mindfulness and dying do compliment one another mm-hmm. and and as you say remind us of the important things which i thought was a nice segue into the last one you recommended which is the uh, which is the the lost thing this all happened many summers ago down at the beach i was as usual working tirelessly on my bottle top collection at least until i saw the thing the animated man picks up a bell which turns out to be part of this thing Part machine, part animal. He walks around it, looking for more clues. 
he sure wasn't doing much. He just sat there, with a really weird look about it. You know, a sad, lost sort of look. Nobody else seemed to notice it was there. They were all too busy doing other stuff, I guess. What I love about it is the is that bizarre kind of um, um, sort of biological man-made world. So it's this both organic and inorganic world mixed together. So the lost thing is actually part machine, part part organism. Oh, that's interesting. Because I, I, I didn't actually. Mm, yes, it's mm. true. It's true. Yeah, yes. that's that's kind of what first struck me. I was I thought is actually a really nice sort of symbolism of the things that we get involved in. So it could yes. be could be living, but it also could be the things that we've made or been working on or whatever. So yes. that that's what. I, but rather than give my interpretation, <laughs> tell me about tell me about why you like that one and and what it does for you. Well, I loved it because what I do especially when I share my knowledge in mindfulness and, uh, and as a spiritual care worker in the acute hospitals, I need to be very alert to what's going on. And there was one, there's one little example that I saw this lady who was, at, who was very, very ill and, uh, and I'd only been a spiritual care worker for a few months and I, I went into the room and, uh, and I explained who I was and she invited me to sit down and I, I sat down. And after about 15 minutes, she said, well, would you like to move away? Because you, you're sitting right in front of the fan and I'm really hot. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. This is because I wasn't alert I wasn't being mindful. I wasn't, when I walked into that room, it's like occupational health and safety. You look up there, you look over here, you look there, you look there. So it's exactly the same. So that's what I, I learnt from then on. She was a great teacher, unbeknown to her. And so whenever I go into a place and I look, I learnt to, to look, to see things, to to register what, what it is. And that's also with people's body language and the, the things that they don't say. So this lost thing, it didn't have a voice. So it was all this young man who we'll call Tim Minchin. And he, he was the one that, oh, well, I can't just leave him in the shed all the time. And then, he, and then his parents didn't want the, the lost thing in the lounge room. And he... He, he started to realise that this lost thing was, it had feelings yes. and it responded to, to kindness. And so he wanted to help. And it was so simple, but it was in a way quite profound. So that's how I saw it. It highlighted how we, we don't look, we're not present with Moments. I mean, all the time we can't be always present. That's a bit impossible. But even if we allow ourselves, maybe even a few minutes a day, to just stop and go, okay, what's going on right now? Mm. And I guess I saw it too as that sense of whether it's 
whether it's a thing, whether it's living or not living, you know, yes. it's the important thing. So whatever the thing is for, for me, for you, you know, and it could be something that needs to be put right, something that needs to be something that's, you know, outcast or homeless or lost or, you know, whatever it is in our particular worlds and the people we come across, that could be the lost thing. So it's such a powerful little, you know, short film for giving giving expression to that idea. I think that... Like it's sometimes we may see someone and just to be to show some human kindness to a stranger and that person responds in a really in a surprising way that you know that you have actually benefited that person. Or on the other hand, when someone is really nice to you out of nowhere and it just oh how nice. So that's a bit like that too. The, lost thing I think we've all got a bit of the lost thing that yeah. always needs to be found yeah, that's right. yeah. I, I guess I'm getting the sense too in terms of sort of bring it back to short films and how they're used in in teaching and learning and wherever we sit on that teaching learning spectrum it sounds to me like what you do is very the the films give you both the opportunity to sort of sit and show someone but probably less that they're actually giving you a tool for conceptualising your for yourself to explain ideas to people that yes. are big. Is that a Reflection. fair way yeah, re- way to reflect? Absolutely. So I suppose that's my lost thing, mm. my inner reflection. Mm. And that reflection, it's like uh, reading a book or listening to a, uh, something on the radio or some, just reading something and all of a sudden an, an idea will, will come into my mind and I'll use that and I'll follow that and it'll lead me to where that lost thing went, to a place of, what did your daughter say? Belonging. A belonging, yes, and I thought, yes, that's what I was after. From your point of view then, what, what, would, you, what would you say to other teachers? So I'm always trying to encourage teachers to use these little gems that are short films and, and you know, the language of film... And, and, and video is so rich that we can do lots of things. And you've obviously found that rich in your work in, in helping people towards the death you know, stage of their lives. What would you say to other teachers that aren't in such a position but might have a class full of 30 rowdy kids or, you know, different... What, just teachers generally, are there any other things that you would say? Short films are great because... It doesn't force us. It helps us to listen to and also to recognize that we have a creative way everyone will watch that one movie and probably everyone will have a different way of how it what it meant to them how rich is that that's so beautiful and then for everyone to be able to share those ideas i think that in itself is a really great learning tool for the children to go "Oh, oh i looked at it like that but oh gosh what they're saying is true. I can I can see that. So I think that that's an opportunity. And uh, just understanding that uh, we're all a little bit different, but we're also very complementary. Uh, the the other thing is, what then would you say to and and you're creative, so I imagine you might have some idea here. You know, you paint and you create things. What would you say to the creatives who have found themselves in the craft of filmmaking? That to to encourage them to make more stuff that's really useful in this space? 
Oh, ask the, ask the scary questions. You know, ask the ones that people cringe at. Ask the, 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 the questions and opinions that people don't normally um, go towards. I can't believe sometimes the questions I'll ask a, a, a total stranger. And then given that opportunity, once people know that they can talk about something like that and they feel safe, so I must have a safe look about me, they'll tell me the most amazing things, personal things that they want or their personal experience, past experiences, perhaps with family and friends because of a previous unfortunate death, the way that it happened, because there wasn't enough talk about it. So yeah, ask the ask the the challenging questions, and that'll be easy enough to to find out because you'll get uh, the body language. You'll be quite strong. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's what I love. You know, I I think that's why I've always naturally gravitated towards documentary filmmaking because you know you get the license to ask people whatever you like, you know, yes. <laughs> and try and draw it out. And, you know, without a camera there or a microphone, you know, you just wouldn't walk up to someone on the street and say, what do you think about it? Why are we here? And all, you know, well, the, the, the big questions. That's right. I'm letting you know and, that we can. And we can. I do. Yeah, that's right. And you do. Yeah, but some of us are a bit more reserved. So maybe I need <laughs> the, right. the license of a camera to do it. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Fantastic. Um, that's great. Um, is there anything else that you had written down or wanted to say? I think that I'd like to mention that advanced care planning is so important. Yeah. And um, there's two really big uh, important things that are happening in uh, palliative care and death and dying. Uh, this year, physician-assisted uh Dying will be legalised in Victoria and next year advanced care directives will, from what I understand, be a legal document as from uh, March the 12th, 2018. So this means that people will be able to prepare their family and friends and the uh, the medical profession, this is what I will accept and this is what I will not accept and it'll be in an advanced care directive so important. And did you know that only 45% of people have wills? So many people have not done their wills. Have you? No. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, look, thank you for thank you for talking to me, we, and and I love the fact that we've even though we've focused on this topic of death and dying, that we've spent more time talking about life and and living it yes. and being being here for it. So, yeah. thank you for all these reminders. It's been wonderful to talk to you and to you. Thank you. Find all the film links and related notes in the description, and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.